Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, ladies. Hello, ladies. Coming to you from a, it's an overcast, gray, drizzly day in Sydney, but apparently it's going to get to like 42 degrees today. That is wild. It's warm. It's warm and sunny in LA. It feels like spring. It's exciting. Spring is in the air. Spring is in the air. Um, I'm in a very exciting few days because Elle is I think by the time everyone listens to this the cover will be out covers so exciting I've seen it is he seen it is he got a sneak peek and we the issue is going to go on sale Monday it just feels so so crazy exciting I can't believe it it's funny because I think like when you're in the weeds of the actual work you forget about the broader (laughs) cultural impact and the wider bigger thing of like what you've done and I think it's when you get the job and everyone's kind of congratulating you on it and you're like gorgeous viral little photo like then you're you're just like you're you're more astonished or shocked or proud of yourself and then you just go straight into like hard work and forget about it all so I feel like this will be really nice because it'd be the moment when you'll finally see all of your hard work pay off. I think that's the thing right now is like when, and you know exactly this feeling, like when you're working on a magazine, you're so in the weeds of obsessing over like specific wording of a sentence or how big an image is on a page or what a let, like all of this minutia and you want to just keep working on it forever. And it hits a point where you just have to send it out into the world. Um, and I think you're still in that details oriented mindset, like when it's about to come out. And I think we're now at that time where it's just going to exist and people are going to see it and experience it and respond to it. And it feels exciting, but nerve wracking as well. How was it writing an editor's letter? <laughs> These are the things that are so funny where you think, 
like I had in my you have romantic ideas in your head about these like key things in the process. And then you're just like, I need to get this out immediately. And someone was like, where's the editor's letter we're sending tomorrow? And I was like, oh my God, and just bashing it out. So I wanted to turn it into a masterpiece, but um, it was, it was really fun. It was a nice, it was, it was a nice opportunity to like reflect on what the point of the magazine is and what, we want it to say and how we want it to resonate with people. And I think like there's a couple of things. I mean, I am just doing a spiel for the mag now, just so people know (laughs) an unapologetic marketing spiel. Yes, please. I basically, so Sophie Wilde's on the cover. Gorgeous, gorgeous Sophie. Have you seen Talk to Me yet? No. It's so fucking amazing. Like it's. it's, Oh, I want to watch it. So it's basically Sophie is just this incredible, amazing young Australian actor. She just won the Actor Award, which is like the um, Oscars of Australia, like Best Actress, and she beat Kate Blanchett and Sarah Snook. And she's oh – Yeah, she's so, she's so incredible. She kind of finished um, NIDA, which is like the big prestigious acting school in Australia, um, I think in 2019 or 2020, like peak pandemic and has still just gone on to be in all of these major roles. And her first ever role in a feature film was the lead in Talk To Me, which is this um, independent Australian horror movie. And it basically, they made it for like $6 million. They had to shoot it in this really short period of time Um and it got taken to Sundance and it was like the buzziest movie at Sundance and A24 picked it up and it is that so that's the A24 Australian yes. horror yes film exactly. I was just about to say that but when you said it was independent I was like oh it can't be that one no yeah I haven't seen it but yeah I have wanted to see it this whole time it's crazy because it became scared of horror I know I I usually don't love horror but it's really I quite like a possession horror. It's, it reminds me of like Hereditary or Midsummer. It's that kind of really smart, really mm. bonkers, crazy horror movie. I believe Ari Aster was in the audience when it, it when it, they had the premiere and he came and like got a selfie with Sophie afterwards and Jordan Peele was FaceTiming her and it was just this huge, crazy thing. And it that's became... so crazy. I didn't I like, obviously that's the way films work, but like you don't think about that was this independent thing. And then, then you take it to a film festival and it gets picked up by like the biggest, coolest production company, like in the world. I know. Can you, that was, I wrote the cover profile and we were just talking about that where she said it was just, she just had in her head, like a list of mental goals and she really wanted to be in an A24 movie. And it was literally her first movie <laughs> got picked up. Fuck. And it became A24's second highest grossing movie of all time behind everything, everywhere, all at once. It made like $150 million. Oh, my God. It's it's crazy. And I think the reason more people don't know the story is because it all happened during SAG-AFTRA. So she wasn't – the cast weren't able to do interviews um, or premieres or red carpets. So she didn't get that – you know, the usual thing you'd get where you would do like a Vogue beauty video and you would do a, all the crazy, amazing mm-hmm. fashion looks on the red carpet and it would like build. They didn't get to have that momentum from 
that perspective, but the movie still did crazy in the box office. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it would have been such a it would have been such a like sad time to be in one of your first films during that period, like just not getting to promote anything, not getting to do the fun red carpet stuff, not getting to like celebrate. I guess, I mean, you probably wouldn't miss having to do like interview after interview, like the Jacob Elordi poem interview for GQ, but it would be so, yeah, you you just miss like all those special moments, which would have sucked. Archie um, Nestor's co-star in C, who then did Saltburn, who was mm. that like, meanie boy in Saltburn he was like talking about that basically because I think his first film was Gran Turismo which came out during the strikes and was saying it was like just so shit not being able to like talk about it when you've put all this work into it you're so proud of it it's so true um and then she so basically now she was in a tv show called Everything Now which is this really amazing Netflix series um that she was the lead in and it was made by Ripley Parker, who's like Tandy Newton's child. And it's um, really amazing as well. And that got her nominated for the BAFTA Rising Star Award. So it was literally Jacob Elordi, Ao from The Bear, um, Phoebe, what's her name, from Bridgerton, <laughs> and oh, yeah. Mia, Mia McKenna-Bruce from How to Have Sex and Sophie. Those were the five people nominated. And wow. she didn't win because Mia McKenna-Bruce won, but there's a picture of Prince William like making a joke with her, Phoebe and AO and it went Oh, viral. I've seen that. Yeah, that's Sophie in that. Oh my god. So I just feel The next big thing. The next, next big, big thing, thing is the first cover star on Grace's L. Like she's clearly gonna like fucking blow up. Like remember when it's it's reminiscent. It's reminiscent of when Oyster did the Margot Robbie like cover do you remember that yeah of course yeah Naomi did that Naomi did that yeah and then she like blew up and then it was like her first ever magazine cover so sick um tell me more about what the girlies can expect from the mag I actually on close friends this morning put up that I was going to force you to talk about Elle because the issue's coming out soon and asked if anyone had questions and there's a bunch, <laughs> one person just said, okay, so there's a bunch about Al and then a bunch about like the industry. Someone said, literally, how is she EIC queen? Does that feel, does that role feel overwhelming? <laughs> Answer. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Exhausting. <laughs> and then someone said, who is the Al reader girly in 2024? Oh my God. This is like a proper trade interview. All of you. I know Grace has just woken up 7 a.m. in Sydney. I know. No, it's, I mean, basically there's like two things that I, there's two things that I kept thinking about when I was thinking about Elle. And I also just want to preface this by saying that we were like absolutely desperate to get you in this issue, but Izzy's a a rush queen. So it's a non-compete. But I just when I we're competitors we're competitors again we always we always were like we're always at different mags the whole podcast <laughs> from you wait ladies we'll start we'll start a pea brain magazine at some point pea brain mag um I yeah so basically I was thinking about what what makes L amazing and unique and I think the thing I kept coming back to was that combination of it being very chic and elevated and fashiony and cool but also having those incredibly written deep dive features that you just don't see in like other glossy mags. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that 
the biggest thing for me was just finding and tapping into a network of really great writers and getting them to write really long form amazing pieces like the story that they would die to write but couldn't really write elsewhere so for example Bree Lee is has written two pieces in this issue and one's like 3,000 words which is crazy for mags these days and it's all about how basically public intellectuals now have to behave like influencers to get um, any attention or credibility which basically means dumbing down their messaging and we also expect influencers to behave like public intellectuals and weigh in on really complex nuanced cultural conversations Mm -hmm. and so like our the way we as a society digest and unpack complicated issues is just fucked because we don't have like Susan Sontag's or Angela Davis's or the Christopher Hitchens, the people who used to tell us how to think or help us to think. Those people just don't exist anymore because you have to be like hot and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so <laughs> To get any traction online. And then Diana Reed, who's this great author, wrote this piece about how we're all obsessed with authenticity, but how authenticity is literally impossible because as humans, we like constantly shift and change and evolve and we don't just have one. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly getting influenced from everywhere and everyone like that's, which is healthy and normal. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and she's like, saw an authenticity coach. Cause that's a new thing and did sessions with an authenticity coach to see how she could become more authentic. So there's just pieces like that, that I'm so excited and proud of because it's to me it's that idea of like sitting physically with a magazine and really just having two hours where you're digesting something properly and you're not on your phone and you don't feel guilty for reading a long form piece because you're getting notifications and you're (laughs) you know the the experience of reading long form on your phone is just not the same I just find it. it, it doesn't like penetrate my brain in the same way and I feel guilty or I'll get distracted and I'll put it in pocket but never revisit it. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then the other part was just really wanting to make it almost like an incubator for young Australian creatives and young Australian talents. So like Sophie's on the cover, but we also have five digital covers with basically five major new Australian stars across like fashion, film um, and culture we have a big portfolio of young Australian creatives everything from like chefs to comedians to writers to um cure art like art gallery curators who are all just this like next gen of amazing um creative talent and it's kind of everywhere from the people we're profiling to the writers we're working with to the stylists we're working with to the photographers the illustrators it's all this kind of new guard of amazing young Aussies um so I feel very excited about that too and I think that's something I feel quite passionate about is this is obviously like a plug to get people to buy the magazine I'm buy the magazine everybody buy the magazine but I, I also genuinely do believe like a lot of these people we're featuring by supporting magazines that like promote their work you're allowing people who work in those fields to keep building their careers like those we need to have places where talented Australian creatives can 
produce and publish their work, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like if that's something that you believe in and are also passionate about, you kind of need to (laughs) invest in those products existing. We've done this spiel for so long, long before you had a magazine. So we've been like preparing for this day. We've been beating this stick. But it's how I feel with like, we feel like this with the Patreon as well. I think we're just in a climate now where people are used to getting things for free or being passive with how they spend their money and not investing in the things that they want to exist. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want something like this to exist, if people are sick of like, yeah, as you say, sick of like not having really interesting features in magazines, sick of not actually learning anything from reading them because it's just full of, like, I don't know, the same thing as the next one, then, yeah, we need to, like, invest in it. I, I um, And I feel like answering that girl's question, who is the L reader girly, I think the After Work Drinks listener <laughs> is quite spot on. Literally. It literally <laughs> is. It literally is. That's what's so nice about it is I feel like we're just talking – the magazine's talking to the exact people that we talk to every week, which is people who are like, I don't know, love fashion, but are also very smart and interested in a lot of different areas and kind of just want something that brings both of those things at once. And also love like pop culture, but not necessarily like not in a really unnuanced way and like find things just, I I think finding like the humor and the fun and things is what I think Al has always reminded me of that. It's always been like this fun, fresh, like this fun breath of fresh air. That's kind of like not taking anything too seriously, but at the same mm-hmm. time being very smart, like you will always open it and it will be like really like refreshing light, um, making you feel like young and vibrant, but then you read it and it's actually got like really smart writing in it. I think that's like mm-hmm. always been, how I've thought of Al. So it's really exciting. Very proud of you. And it's also fun that like things, I think things career wise for even both of us have sort of become, it's like even with the podcast, like how it just, it now feels like this thing. Cause like for you, it could just be way too much to be doing two podcasts a week plus being editor in chief of a magazine. But I think because the podcast has grown as we've grown and is kind of like into weaves through our work in all these like various ways it kind of just is feels like a natural extension to like everything we're doing a hundred percent and I honestly I've never enjoyed doing the pod more than in the last three months like I just look I look forward to it so much a because we can catch up I know I texted you yesterday I was like can't wait to catch up can't wait to catch up I know it's so insane but it's 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 such a nice I think as well after the live show, I feel like we've both just felt really just happy and reinvigorated and just reminded of how amazing and cool our listeners are. And I was, I met a listener yesterday, I was doing an interview and I was just saying that I feel like I've been in such smooth brain mode recently where all I want to talk about is like silly things like the JLo movie and mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. And she was just saying that that's what she loves so much about the podcast is it always just feels like whatever wavelength we're on is just the same wavelength the girlies are on. Like <laughs> at the start of the year, everyone's so busy and so tired and everyone just wants to listen to something smooth brained and fun and silly. And there'll be times in the year where we just want to have serious DNM conversations. Yeah. But yeah. No, I love that. I meant to, I meant to say when I was in New York, um, Thank you to the gorgeous, stylish listeners who came up to Myanmar when we were in Lower East Side, or maybe it wasn't even Lower East Side. I don't know where the restaurant was, but this very cool, like, 
old restaurant in New York that had been I don't know if you I don't know if it's the Odeon or the Odeon, but that restaurant. And it's been around forever. It's like always cited as people's fave because it's not like super trendy, but it's just cool. We went there for dinner and we were sitting having dirty martinis at the bar before we sat down. And there was this group of young, hot, trendy people in the corner. And we'd kind of like laughed at them because the guy, it was like this hot gay guy. And he goes, he goes, okay, I'm going to send a selfie to my mom. And then like <laughs> put his phone up and was like, they were all just like wasted taking selfies with their martinis. And then I like looked over to kind of, to like see what they were doing and caught the eye of two of the girls and then kind of like looked away. Cause I was like, don't know. And then they came over and were like, sorry to interrupt you, but we're big after work drinks fans. And I was like, fuck. I yeah. I'm so thrilled by this. <laughs> <laughs> I text Grace immediately. I was like wasted texting Grace being like the two, the cutest girl. And they were so stylish. One of them had this cute puffy skirt on. And I was like, I love your skirt. And she was like, I made it. And I was like, of course you fucking did. Oh my God. Were they American? No, unfortunately. <laughs> but they live in America. So one of them redacted. I know. The one has lived in New York for ten years. So I'm like That counts. It counts. It counts. And the other one lives in LA, I think. But yeah, they were they were great. It's so special. Um, but yeah, yeah I agree. Exciting. I think we need to do more live shows. We're actually doing one we need to organize. We're do- gonna do one in London this summer. Yes. I know. I can't wait for that. There's go no more details locations. other than that. <laughs> it's, it's sometime in the summer and it's somewhere in the city of London. Um, but I feel, okay, so career stuff, very exciting by Elle. But I also feel like you have so much fun career stuff going on right now as well. And we haven't had a career check-in in general in a minute. I know. I think my, wait, this is like the, the funniest like definition of what the two of us have been doing recently so we have our after work drinks drive where we put our like episode notes and just throw crap in and it often is just the one that's like open on both of our computers so when you when you go to start a new doc like random shit will get saved in there from the two of us that isn't about after work drinks and i looked in it yesterday because i was trying to find out episode notes and at the top of it it was like our launch strategy was in there and then beside it was poly p schedule (laughs) And it was like 7 a.m. Take Polly out, pee and poo, 7.30. <laughs> and I was like this. And I sent Grace a screenshot of the two notes beside each other. It was like, this is literally us right now. Like I'm running in and out of the house like with a pissing, pooing dog. And you're like bossing people around for a magazine launch strategy. Um, but apart from that, and also thank it's you, everyone, for man. listening to, the, to me drowning in puppy dim last week. I'm feeling... More on top of it now, I think it is like a stress when you get back to them after being away. It's just like, whoa, straight back into it. But we're we're in love and we're happy. Um, and we spoon It's also every night. a huge thing. Like, I think it's really good you talking about it because the more I've talked to people about dogs now off the back <laughs> of talking to you about it and everyone's like, it's literally like having a child. It's so, so, so stressful, but you're somehow not supposed to talk about it being stressful. Like, you're not supposed to talk about children being stressful. And it's... Yeah not good yeah so I mean I'm so proud of her and she's such a good girl and I do love her so much and I'm so happy to have them because they obviously make living here living in LA itself can be like pretty isolating I think I like really romanticized it before I moved here and I think for my mental health I still find it such an easy place to live I think similar to like Sydney vibes in terms of like the weather and the accessibility to the beach and the nature and it just feeling quite easy, weirdly, even though it's LA, because you just drive everywhere, you're just whatever. 
but like kind of culturally and socially and stuff I've just been like struggling a bit so it's been really nice to have these guys in my bed every night um but but work-wise yeah work-wise I've been doing some fun stuff so I started doing my first bit of PR which I never thought I never thought you'd catch me over this on this side but Mm -hmm. um I've been working with this incredible Los Angeles brand um entire studios and they're originally um it's Sebastian Hunt and Dylan Richards and they're both originally from New Zealand uh so Kiwis like they're just such a thing in New Zealand like everyone just knows about these two guys before they started entire studios and everyone knows about entire studios but they've always been based over here basically when they were younger they both grew up with like no industry connections or whatever just like in New Zealand like really humble backgrounds and wanted to get into fashion or just loved fashion and loved style but didn't know how so they just started like posting shit on tumblr and online and then they met through that online thing and having a similar aesthetic and became friends and then they were just posting shit on instagram got asked to be stylists of this cool independent magazine in new zealand called black which is like recently shut down but was around forever it's kind of like new zealand's like rush in a way they were styling for that and then basically kanye found them on instagram and like plucked them out of oblivion and flew them to la when they were 19 um to not only like people call them like stylists at yeezy but they weren't stylists at yeezy they literally were like doing the designs doing all the creative direction like basically everything from the very beginnings of yeezy for four and a half years as well as styling kim kardashian like ghost stylist for her and kanye um amazing so pretty major, like they're really, really, really clever. They've just got such an insane eye for design and like the products they make are just, just so sick. And so, yeah, when they, when I met one of them, when I met them up with them in LA, we'd actually never met in person, which was quite funny. Um, just always like knew of each other. And so I've been working with them and it's been amazing because there's just so much going on. Like every day I go down to their showroom in downtown and work from there and it's, so um like motivating and inspiring seeing people create fashion collections in front of your eyes and like I went to the shoot last Friday and then like yeah it's there's always stuff happening like scissors stylist was in yesterday pulling Kylie's team pulled um for a magazine shoot she has today um people are just like wearing their stuff non-stop Dua Lipa wore like their huge big um faux fur coat which is the one that like everyone quoted as being the mob wife trend starting they're just kind of everywhere so it's like fun to be with a brand at its beginnings and also to be at a brand that's from New Zealand as well even though it's like was built here it's so amazing and I think what you just said is so like true and something I've been thinking about a lot lately where I think at the age we're at, we just want to be in jobs where we are surrounded by people who are like creatively exciting and fulfilling. And I actually Mm. think that what you're doing day to day or whatever matters less than it does being surrounded by people that excite you and do things that blow your brain away. And I think that that's, it's so cool to be in a brand with people like that, that operate at that level and working so closely with them and seeing it, seeing something take off like it has. And you've been very instrumental in that as well. Like I don't, I I just think people don't see the work behind the scenes for PR and how the placement being everywhere is so much to do with you and the work you're doing. But 
Yeah, it's been it's been fun, and it was also so cool because I went to New York Fashion Week for Rush, but then I was wearing like so many clothes from Entire, and I was just wearing like new season unreleased pieces and. Like I was walking down the street and Dara Allen, who's like Hunter Schaefer's stylist and who does all the insane, who works with Interview Magazine and does like all those insane shoots. She did the Hunter Schaefer wearing the Prada gown at the Golden Globes, I think it was. And she like, obviously I know who she is. um, And she like chased me down the street and, and was like, I've been filming you like, I love this long coat. It's so sick. Where's it from? Like they're just such an easy brand to work with because people fucking love their stuff. Um, but yeah, that's been fun. And then, yeah, writing a little bit for Vogue business, which is also really fun. Um, yes. And yeah, being a puppy mom, but I like, I think, yeah, as you say, it's so nice being surrounded by creatives and, um, LA kind of lacks that in terms of that vibe, which I think is the same with Sydney that Mm -hmm. London and New York have, where you can kind of walk outside and be inspired everywhere you go but I think the positive side to places like this is that you can get more work done because you're less distracted because there's like kind of less to do but I love that New York energy you find like your pockets and the people in those pockets that are so talented yeah and they kind of like yeah like these guys their weight yeah exactly um exciting two girl bosses Two girl bosses taking over the world. <laughs> yeah. Grace is like, we must do the call at 7 a.m. because I've got to put the magazine to print. And I was like, wait, I have to send these Vogue business questions right now because the piece is due tonight. Uh, I love it. I love it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So the row, which actually, because I guess this piece will come out after my piece comes out anyway, (laughs) but I'm writing a piece for Vogue Business about the row having um, the row's no phones policy and just kind of the more like, because it's Vogue Business, it'll be more about like consumer behaviors and how we shop and all of that. But for the pod, really interested in the, so basically the row held their fashion show and before they came, before guests arrived, they sent them all a note saying, we'd appreciate if you, if there was no filming and no photos, just no phones. And then when guests arrived, they gave them like 
coffee and a little baguette and a notepad and a pen because they wanted them to write the show notes um, physically, which also I realized, like, I cannot write physically anymore. I just went to the yeah. doctors and I couldn't even fill out the form. I looked like a two-year-old. It's crazy. Um, and, yeah, then the the response online has been quite interesting. What do you what do you make of it all? I mean, I, I like my first reaction is I love it just because I <laughs> yeah. feel like it's where I'm coming to it from the privileged position of someone who sits at those shows, not at the row, but sits at those shows and is just tortured by everyone just acting like zoo animals and shoving across each other and sitting down in the rows and just standing up and behaving crazily to get one Instagram video that's blurry and looks insane. And I do think it, that spectacle has ruined, I don't know if ruined is the right word, but it, it has like negatively changed the whole experience of a fashion show because especially as editors, you want to just sit and take it in and experience it and understand and unpack what the designer is trying to say and see like the nuances in the clothes and the narrative and the, and I think that a lot of that analysis has been lost because you just can't sit and consume it anymore. Um, so from that perspective, I just think I always look at those old pictures of people at like com shows in the nineties and they're all just sitting there in jeans with a notepad and a pen. And I just think it just looks like the nicest, calmest, chicest thing ever. Yeah. Also um, because it, then it's not about, it's also just takes away from being about what you're wearing to, like, it shouldn't be about yes, like what yeah. you're wearing to the show and taking your content for things. But we talked about this briefly on, on that point when we were talking about the New York Fashion Week, Loire, Beyonce thing on the Patreon Mm -hmm. after I went to New York Fashion Week and missed that show. And my friend Laura was saying that when you were there, it was like animals. It was like people, yeah, standing up mid-show, running across the runway to get footage of Beyonce (laughs) um, and just being like, and absolutely distracting from the clothes in, in every sense of the, like, every way you could. But... At the same time, we also forget that for a lot of people, it's your job now, which which is sad. It's like, mm-hmm. out, so even my job as a writer, um, I was at New York Fashion Week, like covering things for online, but not even massively. Like a lot of it was social. A lot of what Rush was were after were like videos of what was happening on the ground, street style pics, celeb moments, like... Mm. All of that stuff. And then suddenly you feel like if, if I was at the Luar show, I'd be like, I have to get content of Beyonce so that I can put it mm. on Rush. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're like in someone's face. Like you actually have to like lose any sense of just like, I don't yeah. know. You have to um, override all your instincts. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. crazy. And like I tried to do it at the um, Tory Burch show, but I was like feeling sick. I'd like, I don't know what was going on. And basically I got to the Tory Burch show and there were all these celebrities there, like just standing in front of me. And I like just tried to like talk to Natasha Leone or Leone. Mm, and um, yeah. I, I go, hi, Natasha. And she goes, hi. And like just looked me up and down and walked off. And I was like, I don't want to talk to you either. Like I just <laughs> I am know. trying to do my fucking job. But like, yeah, taking away all of that feels so nice. It also just... Yeah, when I, that's exactly it. Like, when I'm doing it, I'm not even filming for my own fucking socials, but some people mm. are, and some people, it's their job too, which, for their own, and it's my job too for someone else, but you're just stressed about getting a good video the whole fucking time. 
Exactly. And then it's like there's this human behavior thing where because everyone's got their phone out constantly, you you just find yourself doing it because you have this panic of like, I don't want to be the person that's not filming the moment that JLo comes down the runway at the facade. Like you just feel this panic need scarcity mindset to capture everything and then you miss the whole purpose of what you're seeing. And I think that this is this is like a more existential question about what the point of fashion weeks are now and i've felt for a while like they should almost have two shows one for like editors and people that need to write about it or report on it or they're on behalf of mag like publications and then another one that's for people that are posting from a sort of marketing sharing content perspective because it's like those two people are jostling for the best seats or jostling for the best access to imagery and they really should be there for separate reasons and I think there was a show last year that had a thousand people there or something just the scale of how big these events are now is so massive um it's just not realistic for brands to follow what the row are doing and not have for like that's a very the row-esque thing to do because I've seen the criticism saying that it's elitist and a lot of people get their view, have had access to runways in a way they didn't before by seeing the content on TikTok or on Instagram, which I think is true. But I also, I've never been to a The Rose show and I think I've never interacted with it through someone's Instagram post. It's always been through like going on Vogue runway. I just don't think it's the kind of brand that, yeah. It's all over your feed with people posting about it. They have like 80 people at the show. So I just think. I think it makes sense for the row. I also saw um, this girl who's on Instagram, Rianne or Rianne, R-I-A-N on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And her handle is that adult. And she's just like this incredible fashion critic. And she wrote on threads, but she had it on Instagram stories because I'm just not on threads. I think people online have a stronger relationship with the symbolic connotation of the Rose work than with the quality of craftsmanship, ironically. So their priority is enforcing these rules of exclusivity and elitism in order to uphold what they believe to be the brand's identity. I think that leads people to celebrate this. She's also just being like, essentially, it makes sense for the row. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a novelty. Like They know that no one else can really follow that, so it's a bit of a like not a gimmick but kind of a gimmick in a way yeah I I think I would find it really refreshing to have been there but as someone who wasn't there and I guess thinking of it from a wider brand thing instead of just thinking of it as the row specifically because I agree I'm not I mean I'm just not I wouldn't really look at the rose stuff anyway but if I was thinking about it from it being a policy for fashion brands and for us not having any of that IRL content I think that would change the way I consumed so much as a as someone shopping because like when I see honestly every single time that I see Simone Roche's show I'm just like googling trying to shop immediately like and Mm -hmm. that's from watching the Instagrams the TikToks and there's so many people that I follow on Instagram during fashion month who I genuinely watch all of their stories because the the runway images the runway um, looks that they have videoed. I'm I'm always interested in why they videoed it, why they posted it, and I just get like a wrap up of their favorite 
moments, which I find way more exciting than like going through the whole collection on Vogue Runway. A hundred percent. I think it it is just, I think the reason that we're seeing, like we've talked about a few times how it feels like everyone wears designer now, or like everyone shops designer or like everyone talks about fashion in this way where there's such awareness of brands in a way that just wasn't 10, 15 years ago. I think so much of that is to do with the accessibility of fashion month on Instagram and TikTok. And I think that has been like a net positive definitely for the fashion industry. So I I do think that there's something about trying to say that it's, it's unchic or it's whatever that is a bit elitist and condescending. Um, But I've always just felt like there has to be, there has to be some middle ground. There needs to be like an AAP, like an agency that just gets video content that's shareable on Instagram and just provides it to everyone in the show. So the people like us who don't really give a fuck can kind of just sit and watch it. Well, there's like obviously the live stream, but I'm just like that, that means you need to be available at the, at that time to watch the live stream. Although for the Margiela show, for example, I just watched that on their YouTube afterwards. The whole show. Yeah, me too. And yeah, and I'm mm. like, I love, I love having that access. That's what I was trying to look up. I don't think the row did a live stream. I doubt they obviously did, but I don't think they did a live stream either. Which then I think does add to it. I think if, if you're like Mew Mew and having these really interactive live streams that are quite, like, do you remember the one mm. where they were just having like all of these videos input in it, and they just put so much thought into the creative behind that? I think that's so. I think that would pay off so massively because people just want to feel like they're included in this brand that they love and not shut mm-hmm. out of it in this way even though as someone if I was going to the row I would have been stoked with that I think from the outside it's kind of feels like it's like shutting all these people out who love the brand who like lined up outside the sample sale block around blocks and blocks and blocks because they can't afford it retail I don't know yeah there's something there's something like self-loathing about <laughs> loving brands like the rose spoken by someone who is guilty of it um but it's also what i find funny as well is like the idea was to have no phones and not post from the show but then everyone posted like their notepad and their baguette afterwards it's it's all just bullshit it's all just about saying i got to go to this and you didn't and that's why everyone including ourselves get those like blurry runway pictures and put them up online because it's it's a status symbol to be in the room. So it's never really going to stop because it's not actually about showing the collection in the best way possible. You know, this is a cynics, a cynics view, but I just think that there's so much peacocking and, and social whatever status obsession involved in fashion month stuff still. I know, which is so lame because I, I can't, yeah, I used to have that view as well of it where I would just be like, it's all, people are just posting to show they were there. And now mm. I'm like, oh, thank God some of these people are posting because that's the only way I'm engaging with Fashion Month content. Like, that's how I'm finding out about the, like, what happened at the Saint Laurent show. That's how I'm finding out about what happened at, like, all of these different shows. It's just through people posting about it on Instagram. Because, I don't know, I'm just like, I would love to have the time or like not the time I know people and it's not like people have more time than me I would love to like prior 
to be a person who prioritized looking through every collection on Go Runway, but I just don't have the attention span for that. I think, like, yeah, it serves our attention economy really well. And then moments go super viral. Exactly. And I think, like, what you say, you can feel energetically and we're drawn towards people who, you know, just love the clothes and are sharing their curated Mm. edits or moments that they are obsessed with in this really enthusiastic, almost nerdy, excited way. Um, And so many people do that and do that really well. And I feel the same. I love just seeing, following certain editors and seeing their in real time live takes of why they loved a specific thing or why they've jumped in and heroed a certain pant or a certain thing or a certain shape or a certain collection. I think that stuff is amazing and the best part of like that social media done well. And I yeah. think that's, yeah. Do you, like, are there specific shows that you watch that you then will find yourself buying stuff immediately? I, I mean, I want to. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> like mean, yeah, no, not even buying, yeah. just like. Yeah, shop, but like, like going and looking yeah. for stuff, 100%. It's stuff like the Bottega collection. I just thought it was so fantastic and then afterwards was was in the headspace of being that woman who's just yeah. a bit more like sophisticated and wears like a trouser with a cropped knit and a thing and it was more that of like going in and wanting to just completely redo my whole identity to be aligned with that I love mm-hmm. I love that side of fashion where you just see some really sp- one specific look or one weird thing and suddenly you just want to re change your whole identity (laughs) to fit that yeah yeah I have that like yeah every Simone show I just like it just really appeals to my magpie eye I'm just like oh my god I want all of these beautiful little bits I want these sparkly little (laughs) clips (laughs) um but uh but yeah very interesting I feel like I was surprised that someone like Vanessa Friedman was like so public about hating it. Mm. So she basically was just like, I'm an adult and I feel like I can decide whether it like distracts me from the clothes or not. Yeah, that's true. And there is a kind of, there is a value to, I've done this before where you just zoom in to grab something because you want to write it in your same your recap or you want to remember it later that you might just not remember in the same way writing it down. But there is just something so like chic and old world about just scribbling down the notes and your thoughts and then revisiting them later. I just think sometimes we tell ourselves that we need to take photos and we really, really don't. Mm-hmm. I'd be anxious if other people reading my notes though. Same. I'd be embarrassed and I'd probably just be making stuff up sometimes to look like I'm scribbling. Yeah. Then what if you're not, what if you don't write any notes on the thing? Then it's just like, then you'd feel embarrassed about that as well. I just, it takes me a while to, to formulate my thoughts on fashion collections. As it should. And should (laughs) like, this is the problem now back in the day you would probably get, tasked with writing one show review a day if that Mm. and you could just sit with it for a whole day and labor over it and think about it and And look at past collections and yeah (laughs) interview the designer read the show notes properly yeah there's some days where we've put up like four or five a day 
That's why I love like Reese's as well because a lot of a lot of shows are about the theatrics and about as you say like encompassing and embodying and revealing or telling what the brand universe is. And so like a lot of these shows are dark and you can't even see the clothes properly either. So you're like in the second row trying to like look through this like dark crowd um to look at the clothes and I and or even at like the Balenciaga show in LA when it was beautiful sunlit show that oftentimes it is super overwhelming. There's like, you're tripping over Kim Kardashian. There's Nicole Kidman. Like there's, there's so much excitement around being at these shows, which is what makes them so incredible. But at the same time, like focusing my ADD brain then on the clothes that are walking down the runway is near impossible. Mm. Like my, like it's actually insane. So going to a Reese the next day, which is when they, the basically they'll sh- put the collection in a store or in a beautiful place. And then you go and they'll like the PR will just talk you through the inspiration. You touch the clothes, you look at them up close. That's when you actually figure out what the fuck you're talking about. Exactly. And people like these shows are over in eight minutes. Like it's literally bang, 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 bang. But but the whole rigmarole around it is so long. It's so funny. Yeah. We had a photographer for rush and um, like, literally the show would say starting at 12 so she'd arrive at like 11 40 and then like it, the show wouldn't start till 12 30 and then finally like everyone would be seated at 12 30 or whatever she's been there for like 40 minutes and then at like 12 48 i'm like hi <laughs> she was like what <laughs> back again back 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 again um i know it's so funny yeah it's a really good conversation the the no phone thing i've been thinking about it at at my wedding about mm-hmm. just asking people to like not like just to have no phones but then I'm like are you just super annoying if you ask that I can't figure out if it's if it's that's just a super high maintenance request. no but do you know what I, I I think that genuinely if you say no phone it's hard because what's hard about it is you want everyone to be in the moment and you and that's why you're saying no phones. But then afterwards, I think you'll want all of these memories that other people captured to look back on because the day will be such a blur for you. But maybe yeah, there's yeah. a middle ground of being like. I think it's just the church ceremony bit, maybe just so people feel like present, because I just think the energy shifts so much when a bunch of people are just checking their phones and flick, you know, it's people just aren't present in the same way. I we'll shoot anyone who's checking their phone during your fucking ceremony. No one's doing that, but people are maybe taking pics of you guys, but that could be really yeah. cute. You could maybe be like no phones during the ceremony. And then you could also just be like the bride and groom, like really want everyone to be focused on the present. So or what do you know what you could do is you could say no phones, but then provide a bunch of cameras that yeah. if, or something like that, that then like, but then, because also when people take content, like you barely, they barely fucking send it to you anyway. Like they might exactly. like post it on Instagram, a bad shot of you before you've even Dirty done dogs. your dress reveal. Yeah. And then you're exactly. like, fuck's sake. But I think there's like a nice, I can't remember. I went to a wedding. I can't remember what Tessa and Gennaro did for theirs, but I feel like it was something like, oh no, I think they just let us go hard, which I was surprised about. There's a middle ground yeah. for sure. You want people to just have fun and you want people to get like photos of themselves and of that, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a no phones thing. I think it's just for that part where you just want everyone to be together in the moment. People are, I think at a wedding as well, 
super in the moment because it is so fun. Like you barely, you don't really touch your phone all day. But yeah, I, I agree. There's something in like taking the like want or need to capture those moments out. But then I also think you will like looking back at the things people have captured of you guys maybe. I don't know. Yeah. should ask some other brides. An existential question. Because it is quite interesting to hear whether they actually even found it even found it that nice, like looking back at other people's content, or whether it's just like forty shots of you throwing your fucking bouquet. Yeah, that are worse shots. than the photographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're paying for fucking photographers to come and capture all this shit. That's what's funny about it. But yeah, maybe it's I. I like I do like the idea though of having of paying for a photographer, but then having something, some way of guests getting because obviously like the guests aren't going to be able to get heaps of photos with you guys because you're just going to be yeah. busy. But maybe there's like a camera. Maybe you you could even give like a bunch of people a disposable camera and be like like a bunch of people who are close to you like me because you're not mm. having bridesmaids so we don't have any jobs to just be like okay your job is to like use up this disposable camera mm-hmm. on yeah, like guests even you could even like you know you could be like your job is to like get pics of these people all night and then someone else's job is to get pics of those people all night and someone else's is to like capture candid moments between you guys so that's quite yeah, fun exactly yeah that is cute and then Good no plan. phones otherwise a game plan <laughs> give everyone a baguette and a pen and a notepad <laughs> literally Please. <laughs> As they walk Please, into the Grace. church. I'm going to make notes. That's really funny. Fuck, your wedding's we going to come that. so fast. It's so fucking wait. soon. I can't deal. I can't stop thinking about what I'm going to wear. <laughs> I I'm so excited to see what you're going to wear. I don't even know. I'm so excited for what everyone's going to wear. I'm so excited to see everyone looking dressed up. We got my mom's dress the other day. So nice. It was nice. really cute. It was special. It's, yeah. Um, wait, we need to talk really quickly about... We have to go, girl. <laughs> I know. I just need... This is the one second. Oh, oh, yeah, maybe we do it in Patreon. Just the tweet about all the people that said no to JLo's movie. Read it. I shouldn't laugh, but it's so funny. Taylor Swift is a no, says one producer. Jason Momoa is not available. Jennifer Coolidge is not available. Lizzo is not available, says another. One producer asks if Jayla would want Vanessa Hudgens, to which the star responds, for what? <laughs> but then, no, and then did you see underneath that I pasted the rest? It later turned out she's available, unavailable too. It's quickly revealed that she's actually unavailable too, so they still asked her. Adding to the people who couldn't, wouldn't participate, a producer tells Lopez that Ariana Grande is unavailable. Snoop Dogg is as well. In an earlier scene, Lopez tells a friend that Anthony Ramos declined to participate in the project because he's good friends with Lopez's ex-husband, Mark Anthony. (laughs) How many... How has this come out? That was how I felt when I saw Edward Enenfield's final british vogue cover where i was like did he just contact every celebrity in the world and you were like i think it's just his former cover stars but with j-lo it's like did she just contact every celebrity in the world every celebrity i mean power to her because i believe this was all actually part of her documentary that scene yes so it wasn't it wasn't like revealed to business insider later it wasn't like sources say it was like j-lo saying she put it in she named and shamed all the people that said no I love that about her. I love that she just doesn't give a fuck, that she's not embarrassed. 
Also, now we're getting all these questions because Australia's only just waking up with you. Um, all these questions, all these more questions about Elle. So maybe we're going to have to answer more, more Part career two. shit in the Patreon. Fun. And talk about Kate Middleton being missing. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Bye. Bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.